Welcome to Conversations with Chuck Bennington. I'm Chuck Bennington, and I don't know it all, and I don't pretend to, but I do know that I love my son, and I want him to have a better, faster, smoother journey through the trials and tribulations of life than I had myself. So here's my documented journey, stories, lessons, and experiences that are really for you, buddy. I love you. Welcome back to a, another episode of Conversations with Chuck. I got the name of the podcast right today. I was I was waiting on bated <laughs> breath, but it's all the same. Yeah, it's all the same. Um, how are you, sir? dude? I'm I'm super good. I don't know if you can tell. So this is interesting. Maybe I wasn't like as crazy about the lighting in the office as well. I was more crazy than I thought. Yeah. You know, does my face look a little red to you? Uh, a little Maybe bit. A little, a little bit. bit. You can't pick it up yeah. too much. Vanessa lasered me last night with a <laughs> laser. Good date night fun. <laughs> she plasmaed me. And then we went and saw a movie. Um, um, nice. I don't know if this is, I don't know how, this is an interesting thing, but I'm today years old when I realized that like, I have no fucking clue how movie releases on a typical sense work internationally. I know that like, I know that like, you know, when The Rock makes a movie, the whole world gets it at the same time. But for other yeah. shit, um, are you familiar with a movie called Don't Worry Darling? Have you yes. seen any? trailers for yeah. that yeah yep go and see it like was not the best movie i've ever seen by any any yep. stretch but like thoroughly entertaining and a little bit yep. mind-bending and that's the kind of shit that we dig so we did some we did some businessing and then right. Vanessa lasered me and then we did some <laughs> movie time and then that was about our night and then we were like holy shit it's way too late to eat dinner Let's just make some eggs. We've been eating a yeah. lot of eggs lately. As I just kind of, yes. in this first 90 seconds of the podcast, give broad stroke overviews <laughs> of like what's going on in life at the moment. Got a haircut this week. Got my face lasered. <laughs> I'm traveling to coach this weekend. We've been eating a shitload of eggs. Yeah. It's and anyway, let's talk about money. Yeah. Well, before we talked about money, um, I'm going to do a quick check in with you as you uh, held me accountable to. Uh, about our call that we had uh, a couple of weeks ago on your mindset work around your focus um, and the focus on focusing. Well, and we, ha we had the little task and I wanted just to spend a couple of minutes checking in to see I'm how... Gonna, I'm going to take you out because I think the visual is nice. But I found a consistent spot to use for my focusing. Mm -hmm. It was outdoors, as we had talked about. I was grounded, as we had talked about. And, uh -huh. man, I hope I don't, like, lose the internet. So what I'm going to do is I'll point to it. I'll walk over there. See, it's right. Nice. That, that tree right there, yep. right about where I'm wiggling my finger, uh -huh. there's a little knot in the tree. And so we're going to try to walk closer just so I can get a still shot of it so you can see it. And then the story will follow. Okay. Bump, bump, bump. Still holding internet. Still holding yep. internet. I don't think I've been out in your backyard yet. Can you see this knot in the tree yep. here? I do that see was, it. That was my focal point to stare at. Now, mm -hmm. talking through it as an experience, initially felt a lot of anxiety that it felt like, uh, hey, you've got tons of shit that you need to be working on, and here you are staring at a tree. Um <laughs> And especially because of like some some phrases and things that I use in my coaching with other people, like it makes it hard for me to internalize the right answer because we're all our own worst critics. And so anyway, where I'm going with this relative to my mindset is it was like, you should be working, you should be working, you should be working, you're just staring at a fucking tree. 
And I was like, you know what? It's deliberate. It's purposeful. It's five minutes. So there was a reframe, mm -hmm. right? It's like yep. you, on a regular basis, like after you're done shitting, you often waste another five minutes scrolling <laughs> on Instagram before you finally wipe yeah. your ass and get up, you lazy piece of shit. <laughs> it's like, all right, fair enough. Like it's five minutes of something deliberate. And so mm. was able to pretty regularly in the sessions get past kind of the, the anxiety and like feeling of irresponsibility in doing the thing. It's like a good... Mm -hmm way to try to talk myself out of something that is a bit of an unpleasant task. Yep. So that was good. Um, and then that transitioned initially into boredom, right? Because you're just mm. like, all right, I'm cool not doing anything else. I don't Welcome know. back. I just started getting a DNS error. Yeah, that's but funny because like, we went ones. out in the yard. So, and you got inside. Anyway, oh. we'll, we'll have a couple seconds to edit out. But um, as I transitioned from boredom, it got to the, you know, like the intended point of being able to find focus despite the initial mental distraction, but also like enjoying the focus of kind of. The quote that I use in coaching is that the novice finds novelty in variety and the expert finds novelty in nuance. Mm -hmm. And so just like started to really, you know, engage deliberately in focusing on looking at that fixed point and kind of like just exploring that area of the tree with my eyes. And then mm -hmm. that ended up giving me uh, the ability to see some itty bitty tiny little black ants that were kind of crawling around in the bark and in and around the knot. And mm -hmm. so that let me kind of gamify it a little bit in my head is like, mm -hmm. as I went out to do more of it through the preceding days, that was a good gauge for me of like how fast I was getting away from distraction and to focus is like, how quick are you seeing those little ants? Yep. Um, and that was really interesting because it initially, 
and still to this point, it might just be like luck of the draw based on like where ants are in a tree <laughs> outside, and it's a fairly chaotic system. But there hasn't been a single instance that I have had where upon walking out there and looking at the knot that I have been able to immediately go into like seeing and identifying ants crawling on the piece of the tree. Mm. Causational, correlational, probably a little column A, a little column B, as you like to say, a <laughs> um, little bit of both. But that was that was at least like an interesting piece that I was aware of and I wanted to mm. communicate back to you. Um, so when yeah. you kind of sequence of initial anxiety and guilt and then boredom mm-hmm. and then enjoying the process and then got like an objective measure of the process. And then eventually, uh, since it's been a week and a half or so, mm-hmm. um, started to kind of like lose myself in that piece of the process and enjoy it a little bit more. Uh, and then got like super focused and two days ago was doing my thing, doing my little exercise. And I was like, holy shit, my feet are on fire because I'm being attacked by an enormous number of ants. And so <laughs> little black ants in the tree are not the same as the big fucking angry red ants on the ground that live at the bottom of the tree. But I'd avoided it for several days in a row or maybe I was just progressively getting closer. <laughs> yeah. Um. But it'll bring you back to the present every time. Yeah, you know, it's it it felt good as somebody who does regularly engage in like meditation and walking, you know, meditation as Mm -hmm. well, and just like general mindfulness. It was nice to engage in the process in like a little bit more of a new and novel way because so much of you know the tools Mm -hmm. and the strategies that we do find that do work, we have the ability to just run them into the fucking ground as humans. And so like, it was just nice to reframe on something else. And it was, it was a helpful exercise. Um, And it's something Mm -hmm. that, you know, I'll carry with me and I've been, you know, thinking about it a little bit more because it is a good reframe for me. And so uh, last week I'd show my little timer, you know, my little clock timer. And so probably what I'll explore like this week is we, you know, we have like just a lot of plants that exist in our life and in our house because we feel like that if you're, if you got a bunch of plants that are alive around you, like you probably got decent enough vibes into the universe, right? Like yeah, mastering adulting at a minimum, right? So you've either got some amount of like structure and consistency or it's better for the air or it's just fucking prettier or you got good vibes, but mm. something. So anyway, I'll probably just like, I'll probably work on, um, using same tool but different setting uh mm-hmm. that'll probably be like what i explore in the next week yep, yep. Cool. cool and it's it's just designed to give you a manual switch to teach you how to get that focus but then turn it off again and then yeah and like that that and be okay with and purpose that. of the tool and the exercise then that is kind of what i've found is it, it really has in fairly short order helped me just mm. let the noise drop off so that I have the ability to moving into focus on a specific task rather than in the middle of the noise, trying to focus on a task. Yep. That's good. And it can just give you a little reset even between tasks and objectives. So I'm glad you got something out of that. That was really good. Yeah. And it's something you can continue on something very small. So well done you for doing your homework. Well, work works when nothing works, right? Absolutely. So on the subject of work and all things related to work, Today's topic, I thought, really could we could talk for hours on, but you know, clearly there'll be more episodes to come. Is all about all things money, which we flagged at the start. So, you know, money makes makes the world go round, and there's lots of ways to think about it. And, you know, I flagged before we started recording. 
you know, when I was a child, there were no conversations with my parents or my mother about money or just I knew we had none. It was just a thing that was never in existence. It was always this myth- mythical thing we never had enough of. Um, that was but, you know, very similar to to my childhood and the vast majority of my life with my parents mm. and intersecting with both of my biological parents, even at this point in life, love them to death, but for sure, very much so like poor person mindset. Yeah. And like it's, in a way it, that I'm like, holy shit, it is a wonder that my own views and beliefs around money are as different as they are. Not necessarily better, not hmm. right or wrong, but just how but much different. my beliefs and perspectives have shifted relative to both of my biological parents. Um, and then my stepdad, Jack, just never talked about money like whatsoever. But hmm. everything with my mom, for sure, was very deeply entrenched in true scarcity. Hmm. Uh, but if you... <laughs> If you if you exist in it and continue to speak more of it in existence, like you're fucking stuck there for your whole life. Yeah, and and you know, and it's amazing how just even that one concept of you know always hearing that there's never enough and you know you're not meant to have it or you know people who have lots of it must have you know done something wrong to get it. What sort of limiting beliefs that creates within you? And then as an adult, and sometimes you are literally. I know I was today years old when you were, we had a conversation on um, one of my coaching calls and you had me write down what were my five limiting beliefs about money. Cause you're like, you're acting like, man, isn't that it. like, holy shit. There yeah. is something very powerful. I mean, you're a mindset coach, you're a coach coach. And like you do this, mm. you've engaged in the fit affiliate process and we're friends, but dude, writing things down. Oh, so you much. Have these, these stories or beliefs or ideas that you might not even be aware of. They might just kind of drift through through your periphery and your subconscious. And you're like, I didn't, you know, I've heard it my whole life, but I didn't really realize that I actually vilified wealthy, successful people. Mm. I've thought mm. about it my whole life, but like, holy shit, I didn't realize that I was really at a moral crossroads of feeling like making a bunch of money is somehow a thing that can't be done ethically or morally mm. and like when you write the things down you're like the the challenge i would encourage people if if it seems too abstract to dig around in the dark and so this is for you liam don't necessarily search for your limiting or empowering beliefs about money simply write down beliefs that you have about money mm. what is money why does it exist how does it get used? What it, what are the stories that you tell yourself about people that have lots of it? What are the stories mm. that you tell your people self about people that have little of it? And what are the trade-offs that you believe exist mm. between having lots of money and anything else? Because we would always assume that there is necessarily a trade-off that if we are accumulating a whole lot of one thing, it is at the detriment potentially of something else. And so investigate mm. those belief structures. And like, don't, mm. don't look at it as positive or negative, right or wrong. That's important. That's something that I wish I would have thought of because they had a lot of inner turmoil and angst. And, and I've been able to be a more nuanced human as I grow a little bit older, wiser, and more mature that like many truths can simultaneously coexist that are all within the bounds of both reality and falsehood. Mm. And like, that is really mind fucky. <laughs> yeah, 100%. You know, and it, like, I, I guess as an example, there was a, a trip that my mom had come on um, 
back early in the summer. And we we had organized for the weekend that she was going to be here, and we didn't know it in advance, but we organized a lovely little neighborhood cul-de-sac potluck get-together. And I was going to and did end up making brisket sliders. Mm. Tasty little brisket sliders, and yep. we were going to put them on the little Hawaiian Cute rolls. Buns. Yeah. Yeah. And so we went to the store, and we were just kind of grabbing stuff and i had grabbed the name brand king's hawaiian rolls and that is like that's the big brand in america and i don't know if king's is like international or not but like they're the they're the big hawaiian sweetbread like market player mm. in my mom aghast oh no not the big name brand hawaiian sweet roll what about the store alternative to the right yeah. i was like cool no worries no harm no foul objectively like not a bad decision because like there's no piece of my status that's mm. attached to like what fucking roles i bring and like it's <laughs> yeah. all gonna be dismantled and served to the neighbors so like okay whatever if mm. this thing that like you know weighs on you then yeah sure we can we can save like 25 cents or whatever the difference mm. between like these packages of like fucking <laughs> tiny yeah rolls are and then we were moving through the rest of our grocery trip and we were looking at some spices, some herbs. They were herbs. Mm. We were in the mm. we were in the produce section, and my mom went and got a little packaged thing. I needed parsley for something. There was something else that I was making where parsley was a necessary ingredient. And she went and got a little um, some parsley trimmings and a little plastic box yep. and rectangular shaped on the top mm. shelf of the groceries there's usually like basil parsley a couple other like mm -hmm. you know perishable herbs that are in a not just like out raw dog in a natural yep. state but not quite yeah. like processed spice aisle state kind of this this nice somewhere little... in between and my mom grabbed that mm. and then i went and got just a whole bunch of parsley the very much like raw dogging nature bunch of <laughs> parsley. And I was like, so this and this little package, this little package is 300 times more expensive than this. Mm. And the only difference is me having to do a tiny bit of chopping. Mm. You're so worried about saving 25 cents on these sweet rolls that you don't stop to think about the math that underpins this because it's the stories that you've told yourself about the store brand being a better value proposition than the name brand. Mm. And while that is often the case, mm. if you are going to sit in the defensible side of like, my money beliefs lead me to make what I believe to be good decisions with my money based on the proposition of value, are you actually <laughs> engaging in that mental process? Yeah, Most people don't, dude. And it fucking blows my Automatic mind. Automatic pilot. Yeah. Really like... There's a really good quote, and I don't know where it originated from, and I'll probably fuck it up, but like small, well, everybody, not everybody, many of us, we step over dollars to pick up pennies. Mm. Yeah. We're so concerned with like these little pieces that consume our focus and our purview that we miss like the fucking 10,000 foot big picture <laughs> shit big by, like, by miles. Yep. 
and it, it's, it's it's funny, funny like it, it really is crazy yeah. you digest your own money beliefs and so we... yeah like, grew up initially with a lot of scarcity a lot of like limiting beliefs around money mm-hmm. i mean we same thing you know we grew up with mum would just generally buy all the generic products and you know that's what we had and dude, there's and... a ton of generic stuff that Vanessa and I buy because, like, now I've played the game long enough. You know what's a real mind fuck for me with all of this? And this is all related. Mm. Do you remember the first time you did, like, a real run of shirts for the gym? Mm-hmm. And you're going through and you're dealing directly with the blank suppliers? Yep. And you're like, wait, there's, like, four companies on Earth that make T-shirts and I'm getting the same basic T-shirt that they're selling at the fucking mall for sixty dollars, <laughs> like five dollars, and I just put my art on it. Yeah, dude, that was that was a a milestone oh. moment in my own like growth and views and belief system of like money and how the world works. I was like, holy shit! For most yeah. products, there are only a handful of producers. Yes, and the difference between the generic brand and the name brand is simply the name and the brand. The label, yeah. That was so powerful for me. Mm. But from like we okay. had it. That took a long time to get there. So yes, you no, direct no, no. us back to the beginning. It was um. <laughs> so we had all all that sort of stuff, and even down to like not even fresh milk. We had powdered milk. So when I became you know adult, Lisa, living independently, I deliberately and intentionally went. I'm not doing that. I just steered away from everything that you know, we had had growing up like, you know, mints and sausages. It took me years to eat them again. It's like, no, I'm going to buy myself steak and I'm going to have coleslaw every night and I'm going to have cheese and tomato and da 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 But I made a really mindful intention. But interestingly, I, I still remember this conversation when I first moved out of home and I'd rung mum and I'd said, you know, what I'd bought in shopping. She goes, why'd you buy all those things? Like, like do you think you're fancy or something? And it's like there was... Like it was just, they were they were staple products like flour and milk and butter. But because I had not bought the home brand or the black and gold brand or whatever, it was like she's like, "What do you think you're fancy now? You moved out. You think you are? Yeah, which was essentially the thing that came back. It's literally two dollars. It's not a fucking Lamborghini or a Ferrari. But like, we have the chances to start to understand the beliefs that we believe so strongly that we don't even question them or know that they exist." Yeah, and I didn't know mine existed until we had the conversation as part of my affiliate client journey. When you're like, "Why do you are you why do you think that you shouldn't make money as an affiliate owner? Like, what is going on here?" And then yeah, you had me write really out that list, one. and it was that's, powerful. That's a uniquely difficult one. So we can kind of like, mm. yeah, we can graduate there through the conversation because I think that gets into some important lessons on value. So at least formatively. Um, was exposed to a lot of like really limiting beliefs and views around money, but it didn't quite mesh with my personality type. And so I I haven't been able to figure out where through like nature or nurture or how it really curated, but the entrepreneur's journey to some degree, even though I fucking absolutely have a bajillion years of growth to go in the game. And honestly, just being very honest and transparent, I very much so struggle with like even the title or label of entrepreneur. That is a big identity crisis ego piece for me that like I still very much so wrestle with. And it's a huge mind fuck. And we could do a whole separate episode on that. But just like relative to money, didn't have money growing up, had a lot of really limiting beliefs about the nature of money. 
how hard it was to get, how easy it was to lose, um, how disproportionate and unfair a lot of pieces of opportunity of the world are. But I didn't like being poor. Like I really didn't like not having money. And we weren't, we weren't poor in the sense of like abject poverty. And I do want to make sure that I'm very deliberate in clarifying that because like, dude, I'm, I am a straight white guy that grew up in America and (laughs) my poor was not like true, true poor. As somebody who has had the privilege of traveling the planet, I very much so understand like what poor can mean, Mm. but poor relative to the the place that I wanted to be in life, poor relative Mm. to the identity I chose to assume. Poor enough. All right. So a couple good stories on it. My mom cut my hair many times. My mom is not a fucking hairstylist. <laughs> like that starts to clue you in on a little bit of it. Uh, my mom would aggressively try to like size up my shoes because, dude, kids grow super fast. Shoes yep. are fucking stupidly expensive. And like, I get it. I get it. But here's where it's funny. I would have been in my junior year of high school. I currently wear a 10 and a half. 38 mm-hmm. years old. My junior year of high school, my mom bought me a pair of fucking 14s. <laughs> I don't she know high hopes for your growth. trajectory she thought that I was on, but like to be a fucking insecure, chubby kid with a bunch of confidence and self-esteem issues, to have a big, bright blue pair of fucking Reeboks that straight up actually looked like clown shoes, I still like very vividly remember all yeah. of the walking in those shoes at school. That yeah, was like, that, that would was not have been good for me. Um, that yeah. crystallized like yeah, just another layer of like this. It's, it's funny people make you know make jokes about me buying you know endless CrossFit shoes because you know if there was a new parent, I would have it. And it was only when I sat and reflected and hearing you talk about that experience, like I remember as a kid, like you got new shoes when your big toes you know, at least three toes were coming out the side of the shoe. That's when you got new shoes. I used to and try to fuck my duct taping them, accelerate the wear by letting them drag when I was riding my bike. <laughs> I used to my shoes to stop myself when I was riding nice. my bike because I always fucking hated my shoes, never had cool shoes. Yeah. Like, that was a Same. big thing for me. We had the joggers that yeah. were like vinyl and, you know, I duct taped them up and stuff. And that's just what we did. So, you know, now when there's a shiny new pair of shoes, I'm like, why can't I? I'm going to have them. I you know, I've got a couple of pairs now in surplus because that that to me is just moving me forward from that point. I didn't realize it till after I'd reflected on it one day. It's like, why do you like getting new joggers? Like, there's nothing better to me. But it's like, because I never had that. That's how most of these things go. And yeah. certainly, like, I, I started to become aware that, like, I knew of these beliefs and stories about money. And I didn't I didn't know them to be true. I questioned them very early on. But my mom did a good job in curating to me at least like the narrative that would later become limiting, but is always empowering about like just the nature of work. Well, if Mm. you want something like you can work for it. Um, And so I did take it upon myself very early on to start like generating my own money. I, I did like little landscaping stuff, pulled weeds, mowed yards, raked leaves. Um, At one point we lived, um on the backside of a golf course so i would go out and like recover balls wash balls like go and like sell those so i've I've had i have not liked not having money for the entirety of my life that i have not had money and always still feel as though i don't have enough money and i think that like 
some of that ends up being objectively defensible because I have like specific known goals and it's like, no, objectively, like I don't have enough money because like Mm. there's there's a goal and there's a plan. And so like (laughs) we've got way more than we ever need for sure. We've got far Mm. more than we need and we have an incredibly like blessed, great life, but like for sure still often feel very like uncomfortably scarce in money. And I don't know, I don't know what at, at what level that gets resolved. Um, hmm. and maybe it doesn't. I don't know. That's that's no, a piece well, exploring. That's kind of the same, you know, experience is that, you know, I it's it's having that feeling that you you've you've always got not enough and and having that anxiety around it. Um and you know, you know from my coaching calls that was always a big thing for me in the affiliate. Like I was always like, Well, I don't have the money to do Well, and so like, yeah, so even though like I understood the nature of work and being able to make money where a lot of those formative childhood beliefs for me came detrimental was being able to really wrap my head around like structures of value and value propositions. Because if you're if your formative beliefs are like the cheapest store brand thing is just as good as the expensive brand name thing it's very hard for yourself to just because you so choose to, and because you can in the universe, just be like, I would rather be the expensive brand name thing. Mm. Even if I'm provide, like, even if we're looking at service provider, a service provider, B product, a product B, like Mm. if you have the ability to transact for a higher price, all things aside, nothing else changes besides the price itself. If you're on the side of the person collecting the dollars, why wouldn't you want that just to want that? Mm. Right? Like if I'm going to give you $10 an hour to mow my yard and my neighbor will give you $20 an hour to mow his yard and it's the same mower, the addresses Mm. are literally one after the other and it's the same size yard in a master plan community. Like it is literally Mm. exactly the same. Like which one are you going to choose? And then why don't we extend that same decision making to the other areas of our life? And that was a huge struggle for me. So like I understood work and the ability to generate like revenue by solving problems for other people. Because like, dude, fucking grown ass adults with money. Yeah, they don't want to rake their fucking yard. No shit. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, uh, yeah, when I when I make a bunch of money and I am running low on golf balls while I'm out on the course. Uh, if you walk up to me and position like these are nice balls and you can just go on your merry way and I have to spend no extra time, energy or effort. Like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, but that was like, that was really hard for me to be able to bridge the gap into thinking about things in terms of value rather than just like, cool, work works to make money. So if we need more money, we just need more work. Mm. And that's not not the case, but you also have the variability of like, well, what is the return for that work? What is the value for that work? How much does that work make? Because you can only stack more work to a certain point, and then you have to be able to look at it differently. Mm. And I, I still do often chase work for the sake of work because I can associate like work, dollar. And it's like, well, dude, you've got 24 hours in your day. Not all of these mm. things are equally valuable uses of your time. Yep. And I'm like, but they're all things to do that I enjoy that make money. And you're like, cool. Well, do you want your life to move forward or do you want to do more of what you're doing at the present and what you have done in the past? I'm like, fuck. And so that's where like you, 
you have the ability to unearth some of your own views and beliefs around the nature of value, work, and money, because those things I see as all being very related. Um, but we can we can segment like just money stuff in mm. this. But do you have the ability to see where your desires, your ambitions, your goals, your wants, your dreams are limited by how you just view money as a construct? Mm. And I think that would be a worthwhile exercise. And that's something that like, I wish somebody would have really engaged me in in a purposeful way sooner. Like really held me to it, not made it like a conversation, be like, well, I don't know, I'll figure it out. Or like, eh, maybe this or maybe that. Be like, no, let's really talk through it. Mm. I will own a Lamborghini. At some point, I will own a Lamborghini. Like I have, I've wanted that for a long time. It's mm -hmm. not super important. It will be a fairly shallow goal that once achieved will be easy to dissipate into like the recesses of my mind and move into the other thing. And I'll probably mm -hmm. just like flip it or turn it around fairly short order. But like that, that is an achievement goal. Yeah. The achievement goal builds into some process goals. Process goals are the things that we do regularly as habitual pieces of changing our actions, our beliefs, like blah, 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 so that we can get to the achievement. So anyway, mm -hmm. where I'm going with all of this is I have wanted a Lamborghini for a really long fucking time. I should have achieved it by now. Um, should is a dangerous word, but like I feel mm. as though I could have for sure. Yeah. Had somebody earlier in my journey been like, cool, you want a Lamborghini? Like, how do we make this happen? Like, let's really mm. talk through it. Be like, all right, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like work hard and like save money. Like that, you know, that mm. would have been like me like 1.0, like very, yeah. very, very early on. That's when I was pulling weeds and mowing yards, stacking all my dollars so that I could buy like a video game console. Mm. You work hard at the tasks that you can get somebody to agree to for whatever price you can get them to agree to. And then you save the dollars until the goal is reached. Mm. And so if somebody was like, all right, what does that look like for you to save and accumulate 250 to $300,000 of yep. like cash on hand to do the thing? Mm. and you start kind of like reverse engineering it and you're like uh somewhere between like 70 years and never like yeah right okay yeah have lots of other people achieve that goal yes mm. so they're using a different formula and i think that's something that like i wish that i would have been exposed to or thought about and i guess as i talk through it now it's a better way to frame it and explain it to somebody else is like the goal is the goal it's a hundred dollars. There are a limitless number of equations that get us to a hundred dollars. Yep. Literally fucking limitless. Mm -hmm. But for most of us, our formative view is like hourly rate and number of hours and then whatever we mm -hmm. can save. Yep. And those are all just like constructs and ideas. And it sounds very like, I don't know, probably not concrete and tangible. But it very much so is. And so like being able to to look at like what was one of the more formative pieces of changing how I viewed money as a whole mm. can grow rich by Napoleon Hill. That book mm -hmm. is one of the singular most important books that I have encountered in my lifetime. To simply like change the nature of how you think about value and money mm. and how the game can really be played. Yep. So let's say a Lamborghini is $300,000. But I'm willing to do the work to find a contact at Lamborghini. Mm. And I say like, hey, 
if I can help you guys pre-sell these 20, and by the way, this is all fucking theoretical because oh, yeah. so good. Uh, there's so much money out there in the world. Go fuck yourself if you don't believe that to be true. Lamborghini is sold out of cars until the end of 2025. Yep. The whole planet complains about like <laughs> to exist and everything falling apart. People are spending money in greater quantities like than they have in human history. Hmm. There is there is a legitimate supply chain issue in the mega yacht world that people are running into a lot of trouble building boats that are greater than 200 feet in length. And so anyway, there's money out there. But yep. if, uh, if I go to, you know, if I had the contact at Lamborghini and I was like, hey, guys, if I can like, you know, pre-sell 20 of these bad boys, like that's that's six million dollars. Mm. That's not too shabby, right? Mm. And so like if I could help you pre-sell 20 of those, would it be, you know, reasonable look at something like a 5% commission. Mm. I think that's fairly reasonable. And be like, but wait, we could make it even better. Instead of actually having to pay me in commission, I'll just let you give it to me at cost. And so you have the ability to value me at 5% of that $6 million. That's the 300000 for my Lamborghini. Mm. And it's even a better deal for you guys because you don't even have to be out of pocket 300000 It's worth 300000 to me, but like it really costs you guys probably like 115000 yeah. Mm. Didn't have to create anything. Didn't no. have to purchase anything. Didn't have to take inventory of anything. Didn't have to build anything. But like, just as the nature of thinking about like how differently it is not this basic math equation of like uh, 10 times 10 is how we get to 100. You do 10 hours yeah. of work at $10 an hour and that's 100. Be like, well, what if you just collected $1,000 and mm. 10% of that? You're like, but wait, what? It's like, yeah. Congratulations. Welcome to the idea that like money is an idea. Yeah. It's it's our and I, I really remember that that lesson, you know, going back to the affiliate is like I went through a period of cutting expenses and I remember you and Tony are like, Well, how far can you cut? Like, you know, if you've got a shortfall, how far can you cut? And you're like, Oh, well, down to this amount. Oh, well, that's not gonna solve the problem. You need to earn money. I went right. and yeah, then well, what? Yeah, I'm like, well, I'm getting memberships. I'm like, no, no, no you can go and create money. And I think over the space of a weekend, I'd added 6K to the sheet because I'd created a product on the spot and got five members to do it. And it was the most valuable, lucrative thing I'd ever done. And your whole like, life. Yeah. And, and it, it was rewires how you were forced to look at the world. Because until then, everything had been about, well, if you need more, you've got to cut things out to reprioritize and shift things around. You're like, well, you can only cut so far. And I hadn't even thought remotely of that concept and it's like well you need six thousand dollars how are you going to make it and there would have been a a, a dozen ways i could have done it it's yeah. like what's the, the fastest path to that design a, a package that that does it and i don't have to sell a hundred of them i only have to sell five so okay tick and that was a really big shift for me in my headspace about my value and my um relationship around it's okay to earn an income. It's okay to earn, you know, to generate revenue and that you can make money out of nothing. You can make it out of thin air if you want well, to. And that like, and that the, the money is also good for the person on the other side of the equation. That took me a long time to really understand and come to is like for a lot of people, if we're looking at provider A and provider B mm. and nothing else changes besides the price, 
the higher price person will generally be more successful. Because the person transacting is making a greater investment in solving their problem. They're making a greater investment in themselves. It conveys more status. It conveys Mm. more seriousness. They have a greater opportunity cost. Mm. That was a really difficult thing for me in fitness. And I didn't realize that, honestly, until like really we we were very, very late in it. Like in a lot of ways on the other side of it. You know, like we, it had already been predetermined that like that was not going to be our end game and that's okay. Mm. But to really step away and be like, dude, you need to charge more money because like, that's how people actually are successful for themselves. Mm. People that pay pay attention. And then you're like, everybody's buying store brand ramen. Nobody's got money. Mm. And you're like, well, how many of your clients do you get fucking feelsy about? Because on a regular basis, they're buying like new phones and new shoes and new <laughs> cars and going on vacation. It's like, dude, it's the money's mm. there. Yeah, it is a it's story. what they prioritize. Yeah. And it's a story that we tell ourselves to stop asking. So it's like, oh, well, there's no money. I'm not, not going to ask my members or stretch the capacity. It's like, well, because like eh. how many times did we ask when we were kids? And got nothing. And we mm. got the answer that, like, there's no money, there's no money, there's no money, there's no money. But, like, it'd be very mm. different if you had, like, wealthy parents. And they're just like, well, how do we create value? Where do we find mm. money? Who has money? Mm. What is money? Like, mm. you know, is there something that we can exchange that's more valuable than money? Mm. And, like, that that's a lesson that I wish I would have really been able to learn and apply sooner is, like, really looking at relationships and reciprocity and like networking but being able to correlate value structures monetarily to it Mm. that's abstract as shit so as an example we had a we had a really great couple in the gym adam and jamie and adam was a super successful young hotshot dentist and jamie was his wife his practice manager they ran a fucking incredible clinic. They were very good at the game of business. They had previous CrossFit and fitness experience. Um, Some good, some not so good, but like, man, as good of a client type as you could have possibly like selected. They're a Mm. couple, no kids, business, residents like they're not going anywhere they're high income earners they are service providers they're young they've got an incredibly long timeline they value high level service providing and we elected to not transact dollars with them but instead trade services because mm. that worked a whole lot better for both of us mm. and you know that's not always like the thing that most people do in the gym but like it it really comes back to like your views and your beliefs on money and what's valuable to you vanessa Mm -hmm. has some genetic issues with her her teeth as a whole and then also because of money issues in her own life in her own family and then the stories that she told herself about being a burden about being you know a problem and contributing to the already scarce money there was a lot of dent work that she didn't get when she was growing up. And it, it is a thing mm. that has like really plagued her entire adult life. Mm. Incremental cost to serve to add just another two people into the gym. Cause mm. we're already profitable. Classes are already going on. Coaches are already on payroll. So like our incremental cost of bringing them into our ecosystem is almost nothing. Mm-hmm. Our ability to exchange in a trade of value hugely in our favor to get multiples of thousands of dollars of really high quality dental work. Mm. 
But if we had looked at like these more limiting beliefs around money is like, okay, $10 an hour for 10 hours is how I get a hundred dollars. And what does it cost for you to fix my teeth? Yep. Something I really wish that somebody would have just got me to step away from is like, how can we exchange value? Mm. And that's maybe one of those ways that we exchange value is dollars. Dollars mm. are a universal communicator of value. That's why they exist. But that's not it. Like that is not the only limitation of it. And I wish that like that would have been a thing that somebody would have really encouraged me to nurture my views and mindset around is like, if you can think about things from a perspective of value, you will also often solve for money in a better way. Mm. And I think if you have that opportunity to exchange value or reciprocity in a relationship with somebody, rather than just tin tax zeros, you know, dollars and cents, it actually leads to a greater dynamic, or potentially if it's done well, a greater dynamic in the relationship because people like to help. They like to, you know, think I'm doing something for you and it's not just, well, I'm doing this for you, Chuck, because you're paying me, you know, $300. It's like I'm doing this for you because, you know, I have something that can help you and then I know that you're going to help me. And it's just that that rewarding relationship rather than, well, you're only doing it because I'm paying you three hundred dollars. You know yeah. that 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 can lead to a lot of people will just do the bare minimum, or you know they're just going to do what three hundred dollars gets them, rather than, well, this is what I'm doing for you because I want to I want to help you as much as I can, and this is the nature of our relationship. Well, and like, and if we can if we can think about the the overall value being exchanged, we can build a huge number of different opportunities to make that happen in different money models. So. You know, for Vanessa's dental work, let's say it was $4,000 total, um, mm. two clients, $200 a piece in there. So $400 a month for 12 months gets us like basically to our number. Mm. Like we're a little bit over, but like, damn, we're pretty close. Right. So like $4,800. So, okay, we need this dental work and we need it now. We engage in this trade relationship. And then like I'm amortizing this credit over the course of the next year. If I'm lucky, or maybe like, maybe they're like, well, I don't want you to get this dental work and then shut the gym down and fuck us. So like, I would actually like to have that credit on the front end and then we'll provide the service on the back end. Like whatever could mm. work in either direction. But like the overall is like, can we look at what is this value? Mm. What is the initial timeline based on the base structure? Cool. What if instead of that, I give you more focus, time, energy, and effort. And I do two PT sessions a week with each of you for 12 weeks oh, we're done so yeah. you can take you can take 12 months to work on your goals or we can take 12 weeks mm. maybe we have to wait 12 months to get our dental work or maybe we get it same day or maybe we get it in 12 weeks but just appreciating mm. that if we can identify the value the overall value for either party then mm. we can manipulate a million things in the in-between and that is the thing that i wish somebody would have walked me through is that price is not value mm. and that value has a lot of room to be manipulated very ethically very morally because like value is flexible because mm. with stories we can change values yep. yep with beliefs we can change values mm. how many affiliate owners that are in a shitty spot have $5,000. None. That's mm -hmm. why they're in a shitty spot. Mm -hmm. 
And time and time and time and time again, we figure out that like, even though they're in a shitty spot because we can change the value structure, the timeline and the belief, all of a sudden, like it makes too much sense to say no. Mm. Yeah, you like, find it every time. You're like, oh, like I have to. Mm. I have to because like what's working isn't working. It hasn't worked mm. and it's not gonna work. And so mm. something has to change. And so if this is the inevitability that like to get here, this gap must be closed. And based on this length of time where we've only done this, I don't know mm. how to solve that on my own. Mm. Or I do, it, but I'm not willing to take that action. Yeah, and you will always, you will, if something means enough to you, you will always find a way to do it. You, every time, like, well, how many it, times value in my journey was my back up against the wall, like to make rent or to do something, and I would do it every time. Yeah, like 100% success rate. 100%, pull it out of the fire every fucking time, and I would find a new and creative way to do it every time. Because I had to. And the same as when I started my relationship with Fitfilly, it's like, okay, I will make this money happen. I don't know how, but I'm going to make it happen because I have to do it. You're compelled to do it. Whereas if it was like, oh, yeah, maybe I will, maybe I won't, oh, I can't find it. You, it's not a priority to find it and create it. And then work your ass off to make that back to, to cover, you know, you know that that outlay. So having that perception of, you know, what something's worth and, you know, what it means to you, really, you can change that in a blink. Absolutely. Yeah. And you, I've seen people who like, no, no, I can't afford that, can't afford that. Give them the right offer. It's like, bang, done. Thank you. And Make you'll see them, them drop. They're so good they feel stupid saying no. And yeah. like, if you can really understand value. And if you can really understand solving problems, it's a very different conversation to have. And so I, I wish that, my my earlier influences i wish somebody would have helped me wrap my head around value hmm. rather than just income expenses money what's left fuck yeah. dude value value is the shortcut to really being forced to confront a lot of pieces of your beliefs around money hmm. and some of us don't you know find that out to we you run your own business if you're just doing paid most, employment, I, I would i would exchanging I would time for money you don't can't. get it yeah. I would I would feel fairly confident in saying that most people, the only two paths that I would say are typically available to most people to really work on changing a lot of those beliefs and stories around money, unless I guess three paths, deliberately engage in the process of like learning, observing and changing those beliefs, probably with a coach because mm. you can't figure it out on your own because you don't even know it exists. So like that would be one option. Option number two, become a high income earner in an employee capacity mm. because you will have enough money to operate from a place of abundance rather than scarcity. And that in and of itself changes an enormous amount. And based on the nature of being a high income earning employee, you must be valuable in some form or fashion. So that will help you figure out abundance rather than scarcity. And it will help you figure out value without having to navigate it all on your own. And then like third, probably the most powerful, but potentially for a lot of people, the hardest, the slowest and the least desirable, just own a business. Yep. <laughs> own a business and get a coach or you're probably fucked. Um, <laughs> but like, dude, that, that's true. And like yeah. that, it doesn't have to be hard for the sake of being hard. And that is a, a big piece to look at in the, in the overall lens of, 
views and mm. beliefs and money. And I think money can be fast. Money yeah. can be easy. Money can be simple. It is not always those things. And you'd be a fool to assume it to ever be any of those things. Mm. But you need to make space in your brain to believe that that can be true. There is fast, easy money that happens every single day. All the time. And I think that, you know, a lot of these problems can be solved for if we had more conversations about it either earlier in our journeys or just in general. Like, Dude, all of our shit would be better with conversations. That's why the fucking powers that be are trying to strip us of the ability to engage consistently and deliberately in longer form discussion and debate. Yep. Which is, you know, reels and like, let's just kill everybody's attention span. Let's keep everybody busy and distracted and unfocused and like not have people actually coalesce and collate their own thoughts and ideas. And I mean, and that's the point of this podcast. It's the conversation about the things that we, nobody's talking about to, to share that with Liam and, and everyone else who watches. Yeah, dude, I, I spent a long time like working really hard for a little bit of money and don't ever lose the hard work. Yeah. Learn to learn to find work that you can work hard on that you love. Yeah. I believe genuinely that humans are better as, as creatures, as a species, as an animal, when we are engaging in hard work, both like physically, mm. mentally, emotionally, like we're, we're designed to push. We're designed to survive. Mm. We're designed to grow. Um, mm. I think that hard work is like necessary, but don't assume that hard work has to be miserable. Don't assume no. hard work has to be toiling. Don't yeah. assume like that hard. You don't have to suffer. Be enjoyable. Yeah. Um, hard yeah. work is okay, but value is more important than price. Yep. Value is malleable. There's always a deal to be made. And there's always someone willing to help you. Yeah. Well, you're just going like... to make the ask. Yeah, like be okay making asks and be okay looking for understanding. Spend some time, spend some time learning about money. Mm. I think that most people's lives would be so dramatically improved that it would otherwise be unrecognizable if they spent 20 hours learning about how money works, mm. learning about how the system works. Yeah learning about like what is like really just like on a very basic level like how does the economy work yeah because most people got like the ten thousand foot view when they were in middle school or high school and they were probably fucking hung over high or both and they just didn't give a <laughs> shit because it wasn't contextualized at all they're like here's about here's fucking 600 pages about the wheels of bureaucracy and like how a bill becomes a law and you're like i'm trying to get laid what the fuck are you talking about i don't care <laughs> But then you become an adult and everybody like bemoans, like, I didn't get what I needed to out of the education system. It's like, well, I probably were not very well equipped and you probably weren't the right person at the right time. To, to deal with that, yeah. Um, recommended reading. There's two pieces that I would say for sure. Uh, the first one, Tony Robbins, Money, Master the Game. Mm -hmm. That, I think, is the best, most actionable book on what actually to do about money with your money. Yep. Um, so Tony Robbins, Money, Master the Game. And then earlier I'd mentioned Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. That is very like high level, but it is not at a high level. 
Yeah. It is written at like a third or fourth grade level, but it's concepts of like value structure and money. And you think about like things, how, you know, Union Pacific came to be and how Standard Oil came to be. And you're like, oh, there are these guys that just, hey, you got a problem? Hey, you got a problem? Like y'all want to solve a problem Shut. together? Just like cut me in a little bit. And if you can, <laughs> if you can really understand that, like, wow, that's powerful. And then um, Morgan Housel, I believe, is the author. I'm trying to look for it right now. Uh, da, 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 da. It is Morgan Housel, The Psychology of Money. And that, that's a lot of where our views, our beliefs, and our stories with money come from. And just how poorly we, we actually understand the things that we think we understand. Yep. Perfect. I will... I will throw those in the show notes. Those are my three so, books. Those are your three books. Awesome. We um, make money, dude. I don't know. We're, I yeah. think we're doing a good job with that. He doesn't often trade time for tasks. That's a piece no. of it because everybody needs to toil because that's where we build yep. character and humility. But he run, you know, he's got his lemonade stand. He's got his hot yeah. chocolate stand. He, he does he's... like his little art projects. Like we're, we're trying to really help him understand better uses, better vehicles, better opportunities. But it's a process, and I sure it should is. have it figured out. But, man, if he, if he can just start off a little bit better than me, based on where me and Vanessa have ended up on a long what? enough timeline, like I think it's going to sort itself out. Those 1%ers work out well. <laughs> All right, my friend. Good to talk to you, and I look forward to chatting soon. Thank you so much for listening to another conversation with Chuck Bennington. Hope it was enjoyable for you. Hope there was some value and some benefit in it. Maybe even had a laugh or two. Even though these are primarily for me and Liam, we sure love to help a friend in need because it's a friend indeed. So if there was some piece of it that was good, please feel free to share it with somebody else and pay it forward. Uh, if you think what we're doing is rad and you want to support it, please just like, subscribe, share, tell a friend. Appreciate you dudes.